Thanks for tuning in to Beyond the Bench. This is a podcast for athletic directors, coaches, and leaders, and it's done by three athletic directors from Iowa. I'm Todd Gordon from Greene County in Jefferson, and I'll be joined by Scott Jarvis from Ankeny Centennial and Aaron Stecker from Cedar Rapids Kennedy. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to leave us, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at beyondthebenchgls at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and let's get to today's podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Bench, and you are listening live to Season 3, Episode 3. And uh, we are excited to start a new series. I'm going to throw it to Aaron in just a, a little bit, but we've got a lot to unpack and a lot to learn and a lot to share. So uh, we're looking forward to doing that. So uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening. You'll want to stay for the entirety of this one. Um, you might need a three-hour, uh, might be a three-hour show. You might need a snack in between, but that's the great thing about a podcast, guys. You can hit pause, go get your sandwich, and come back and enjoy the rest of it. Uh, as I said, three hours, I saw two of our guests leave. So, you know, we're down to one now. But um, No, it's, it's going to be a, a great time, great podcast, and we're excited to, to have everyone here. And uh, Aaron's going to kick us off and kind of introduce our, our new series we've got here for the next four weeks. Oh, thanks, Todd. And you're right. We're excited about this one. Uh, and we've been talking about this now probably for a month, uh, month and a half, uh, just maybe shooting off a, or a three-part or four-part series here. And we messed around with the title of it, and I think we've kind of landed on this idea of uh, the educational athletics journey. Uh, and we want to approach this from different perspectives, which is why we talk about this being a four-part perspective. Uh, part one that you're going to you're here today is – the educational athletics experience or journey from the perspective of the AD. Uh, and then we're going to jump uh, our next, next part. Part two will be from the perspective of coaches. Part three, we're going to bring the parents into the mix and get uh, just, you know, what, what a parent's experience and what are their thoughts on what we do well and can get better at in terms of the educational athletics journey. And our last one, the most important one, we'll uh, end this with a group of student athletes and have a panel of them in and get their perspective on, the educational athletics journey and what that's meant to them and uh, use it, take all of this over the next four episodes and try to put this together and figure <laughs> out how do we use this information to, to, to make this journey better, uh, not just for ourselves, but for our parents, our coaches and our student athletes. So really excited to jump into this. We're going to have some really dynamic and cool people uh, on the show with us. And today will be no exception. I want to introduce you to our, our guests. Uh, I'll let them introduce themselves. We're going to be joined uh, by Rich Barton. Rich is the AD at Richfield High School in Richfield, Utah. Uh, and they'll give us a little bit of their history and kind of their journey uh, when they introduce themselves. Our second AD joining us today is Becky Moran. Becky is out of Round Lake High School in Round Lake, Illinois. Our third AD joining us uh, on our panel today is Mike Elson. Mike is the AD at Christ Presbyterian Academy in Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, spread out all over the place, great perspectives. Uh, when we talk about top-notch ADs, uh, Todd and Scott, and you know these three very well as well, mm -hmm. um, we got top one percenters on the show with us, yep. and that's not Todd, Scott, no, no. and I. Uh, that's no. our three guests. <laughs> it's so, definitely uh, not that. 
I'm uh, super speaking, excited to I'm have not him. Speaking for this podcast, uh, so no, <laughs> right. yeah. no, we, uh, it's going to be awesome. We sure appreciate. Yeah, it. it is. It is. So, Rich, we'll start with you, uh, and then we'll go to Becky and Mike. If you guys just want to take some time, introduce yourselves, give us a little background uh, on your journey as an AD. Yeah, uh, Rich Barton is, as mentioned, uh, from from Richfield, Utah. And I'm in my 28th year as an athletic administrator, well, as in education, uh, 23rd year as a AD and, and full-time assistant principal. And uh, all, all of those years at Richfield High School. Um, after I, I coached for six, six years as a full-time AD and, and full-time assistant principal, um, I, I got out of the coaching and that allowed me to get a little more involved in my state AD association as, as the president got, got on some uh, national committees, uh, fortunate to, to be able to serve uh, at both those levels and the local, local level. And, uh, you know, that's, that's been a blessing to, to have the involvement at all those levels and, and learn from some of the best, uh, you know, much respect mm-hmm. To the three of you and, and what you're doing for, for everybody yeah. out, out in the trenches no and, no. and also humbled to, to be it's able to be a part of, of this panel with, with Mike and Becky, two, two of the best uh, in, in the entire country. Uh, go ahead, Becky. Yep. That's okay. Um, I'm Becky Moran. I am the athletic director at Round Lake High School. Um, I am in my 18th year in athletic administration. Um, I started out my career as a um, junior college and high school soccer coach. Um, spent some time doing that, was an assistant AD for the first part of my career, um, and have been a full athletic director for the last five. Um, very involved, just like Rich, at our state and um, national level, doing the things that we do to um, help athletic administrators grow. I think one of my favorite things is being the professional development coordinator and getting to help um, athletic directors every day in their roles. Um, and just really honored when I saw who I was on here today with, um, just truly honored to, to be asked to, to be here with you guys today. So thank you so much for the opportunity. And I'll, I'll echo uh, Mike Elson at Christ Presbyterian Academy and I'll echo what Rich and Becky have said. And, you know, Scott, Aaron, Todd, thank you guys so much for including the three of us. And I count it a great honor um, to be on a podcast with Rich Barton and Becky Moran, uh, both dear friends of mine. And we have years and years of, of connection. And that's one of the beauties of the NIAAA and, and being an athletic director is the networking friendships that we all develop. And anytime we need anything, we pick up the phone and call each other and um, get great sound advice. But I'll tell you for, for my journey, I, I started at my school in 1987 and we were a K through eight school, no, no sports teams. And um, I was told we're going to wait a couple years and, walked into our head of school's office a weekend of my first year. And I'm like, can we start a cross country team? And, and um, he allowed us to do that. And I think officially I've been our athletic director since, you know, 1990 on my contract, but I've had the great fortune of serving as our school's only AD and, and uh, was the first coach. So been, been quite a journey, but there's so much more to go. Well, that's great stuff. Um, and, and again, thank you for, Thank you for joining us. Uh, we really are uh, blessed to have the three of you on. I know uh, BTBers out there, you're going to really love their perspectives uh, today. So uh, sit tight and hang on, and it'll be a great show today. So, all right, uh, time to pay some bills, fellas. <laughs>
Let's do it. All right. Uh, I'll kick things off. Um, are you an AD? Interested in saving time or making your job a little less stressful? Are you looking for ways to improve the fan experience at your games? Well, he, we here at BTB suggest you take a good look at Hometown Ticketing. Hometown Ticketing provides schools with everything needed to offer professional-level online ticketing at absolutely no cost to your school or athletic program. Hometown integrates industry-leading technology directly into your existing school or athletic website. This provides your fans with a simple and easy ticket-buying experience that takes place directly on your website without the need to create an account, remember a password, or download yet another app. From individual game tickets to customize season pass programs, our friends at Hometown Ticketing can customize an entire ticketing platform for your program, and the best part is it doesn't cost your school or athletic program anything to get started. So check out Hometown Ticketing, the official ticketing partner of VNN Sports, by visiting www.hometownticketing.com to enroll your school today. And as you talk about every episode, uh, great partners with us and great uh, Great service to ADs across the country providing this uh, online ticketing service. So thanks to them. It just seems like they're taking over the, I mean, they're t- every time you see something, they've got new clients and big clients. I think then they have the whole Texas playoffs, football playoffs, I think. They just keep adding to it. So, yeah, great. Uh, appreciate their support. Well, Gipper, another great partner that just continues to expand and grow and offer some great programs. And as we like to say, our hashtag would be making us better than what we are. If we could give them a hashtag, that'd be what it would be. But you want your athletic program to stand out on social media. Now you can with Gipper. Using Gipper, you can create and share professional sports graphics to social media in seconds on any device and without needing design experience. So try Gipper out for free at gogipper.com backslash athletics. Gipper is now in the podcast arena. And you can listen to them by searching for Standout, hosted by Matthew Glick. It's a fast and fantastic new feature. Also, is their scheduling posts. I was out at school today and uh, spent 45 minutes or so creating the graphics, posting them for the week, and I'm done for the week posting graphics on uh, Twitter. So those are done. Uh, also got them saved, downloaded on our, our sign out front of the school. So um Again, 45 minutes, and I don't have to forget it now on Monday morning or Tuesday morning when we have a game. Oh, I didn't do that. So it's all done. Great feature, Gipper, being able to schedule those posts. So thank you to everybody at Gipper for their support again of Beyond the Bench. That's a dramatic pause for Scott Jarvis, who for once was talking, and he was muted. Um, yeah, pretty good, huh? He couldn't read his lips. Uh, he got through about half of his uh, read for Varsity Bound, and then we kind of let him know. But that was a dramatic hey, thank pause you. on the show. I, I love it. We can edit that out, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. It's, no, it's not, like no. it's our it's like it's our first rodeo. Not like we've done eighty two of these yeah. already. Well, yeah. Not we have we we've done a few of them. So hey, last but not least, we'd like to send a shout out to Varsity Bound who continues to grow, continues to, again, help us ADs uh, make our student-athletes experiences better. Um, we appreciate, obviously, the new app with the um, all the features that it has to promote our student-athletes, as well as provide, um, you know, some graphics that also go along with Varsity Bound. So shout out to Sam and his crew 
at Varsity Bound for, again, helping our IOADs in the pursuit of really promoting our student athletes and our programs with just a great app and some great uh, technology to help make our jobs just a little bit easier. You know, those guys are great. Um, just to emphasize this, how AD focused they are. Uh, and if you talk to those guys, you talk to Sam and, and Todd and Nate and Michael and all those guys, they'll tell you that their their sole purpose for existing is to make the life of ADs uh, a little more effective, a little easier. And uh, they've got some new ideas they're floating. And Sam shot me a note the other day, said, hey, you got a half an hour time. And they just wanted to pick my brain. I know they pick yeah. you guys' brain a lot. They talk with ADs all over the place, just saying, hey, we're thinking about this. Want to run it by you. How does this work from your perspective as an AD? And uh, that's top shelf customer service. So thanks to them for, for being a part of our story and our journey. Well, you know, we started last week, you know, we've got the what's up, what's down, which we do once in a while, but, um, you know, a week or so ago, I, I put out a question on Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, and just said, you know, you might be an AD if or when, and we got a lot of responses back, and we'll let our guests chime in if they want to, if they have something they want to, um, and I've got a couple I'm going to share, but I'm going to share a personal one first, because it happened this morning. Yeah, you know, Sunday morning, I thought maybe I'd be able to sleep in till 7, 7.30, you know. No, you wake up at 6 o'clock just like normal. or um, And, you know, here in Iowa, Mike, Rich, and Rebecca, we got, uh, we got new mandates from the governor on Thursday night at 5 o'clock going into effect Friday morning at 12.01. So those of us that hosted Friday night, had to turn around a whole new list of, you know, guidance. And so we did the best we could. Um, mine wasn't what I wanted. Uh, it didn't turn out the way I had hoped. So all weekend, you know, you're just, that's all you think about is, oh, okay, I got to fix this. Luckily, I don't have anything till Thursday this week at home. Well, check that back. I got a middle school I've got to take care of too. Anyway, so I'm figuring out how are we going to control the, the crowd? How are we going to, manage the crowd. And so, of course, at 6 a.m. this morning, I wake up, and that's the first thing popping into my mind is, uh, uh, I've got a, okay, what numbers do I have at the middle school gym? I've got room for about this many, so that's about this many students or this many parents. Um, high school, I've got this number, so this is going to be the number. I'm, uh, and I laid there for an hour thinking of that. I didn't get out of bed. I just laid there for the hour thinking doing math in my head which probably took an hour to do quite honestly but uh, and then so finally I got up and I started put trying to put it together but you know you'd, you might be an AD if you wake up on a Sunday morning at 6 a.m and start figuring out how to manage your crowd anybody else with me on that oh yeah amen you might be a, yeah. hey you might be an AD if you have to put stickers on your bleachers every other night because People tear them off because they don't want to sit where the stickers are. Exactly. <laughs> so you got to go through before every game and make sure that you got your stickers where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Just think of all the uh, diaries at home and the mementos that have those stickers in them now for a lifetime. Yeah. Everybody's probably treasuring those things. I got I got a box of about fifteen hundred of them left, so I'm just gonna keep sticking them on those pictures. <laughs> They won't be able to escape them. Here's, here's a couple of them. The first one comes from uh, our good friend, Dr. Chris Hobbs, down in Florida. 
And uh, it's, it is no surprise to anybody that he was the first one to respond within about 30 seconds of me posting mm-hmm. that, right? That man lives on Twitter. He does. Yes. He, is, he is Twitter. Yes. Okay, so here's, here's Dr. Hobbs. And you, it, you might be an AD if you watch sports on TV and analyze the details of hosting the event more than you watch the game. And as a bonus, watching the fans storm the court on TV gives you instant heartburn. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I don't watch sports on TV as an AD anymore. How do you guys feel about that? I don't as much as I used to. The longer I do this, (laughs) the less I watch any professional or college sports, mostly because I'm always busy, but I get my fill. Every, every night of the week. So, I think, you know, especially when you think about collegiate university uh, type athletics, I mean, they're going through the same heartburn we are. They're probably – Jamie Pollard at Iowa State's probably waking up at 6 a.m. or 4 a.m. thinking about the same thing, you know, putting them into Hilton Coliseum. Or mm-hmm. it's just a bigger scale, you know. Mm-hmm. So our next one. Uh, you might be an AD comes from Gary Stevens from Maine Thornton Academy. Uh, Gary's been obviously very, very active here recently with the pandemic task force. And, um, but he says you might be an AD if the acquisition of each article of staffware requires the forfeiture of another piece of staffware. And he <laughs> says that is the spouse rule. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we probably could do a whole episode on managing team apparel from the AD side of the, uh, you know, from the AD closet perspective, Mike, Rich, Becky, how many, how many, if you had to guess, how many uh, pullovers, sweatshirts, t-shirts from your various sports do you have uh, after all your years? Oh, it's dozens. Oh, for sure. I've got a closet in the basement. (laughs) That's just that. Yeah. <laughs> and I keep them all. It's not like you can't get rid of them. Somebody gave it to you, right? So, you know, I understand Gary's rule, but it's not going to work for me. I'm keeping those t-shirts or sweatshirts and at some point I'll make a quilt out of them or something. Isn't that what people do with them now? So, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. My wife always says, "Hey, do you have this in a medium?" Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "No, sorry, I've got a closet." My daughter takes them out of my shirts. Yeah. And then when it's, it's 7 years that. old, they call it old school. Yeah. Right. You know, like seven years seems very new to me. Yeah. Get broken in. Yeah. See, what, what, that's, a good, that's a good point, Mike. What is the number of years that have to pass before you can wear a, an article of clothing on a throwback Thursday, like homecoming day? How many years, how, how old does it have to be before it counts? Those kids have to at least be out of school when you got it, right? Like that's at least a minimum. Yeah. There you go. That's a good rule right there. Four years. <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. My joke always was because as I traveled around and I've been a few different schools, they were always red and black. Mm -hmm. Red and black was the base color of every school I had. So I would go to another school and I'd have it the same color, but a different logo, obviously. Um, But my wife is always getting me different colored shirts because everything you get is either red or black, you know? And so I get different colored shirts because every time we go out, Somewhere. When you used to be able to go out to eat, you know, um, I'd put on a red shirt or a black shirt. And so now I have to put on a different colored shirt when we go out. I can't wear any school apparel when we go out to eat. Anybody else ever hear that? 
Yeah, yeah, my wife hates it. She's like, why can't you wear something other than black and silver? Don't you have anything without a logo? All right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I get, I get that one too. Now, the thing I've found over the years that we're sore, we're sorely missing in the teacher, uh, you know, the teacher education prep out there is that course that gets you thick head about be careful which schools you apply for. If you're going to switch from school A to school B, you should you should figure out what school colors are in your color wheel or your color palette as an individual. Because going to a school that just doesn't work. <laughs> You know, with your complexion and your look is a hard thing to manage. So they should put that in that teacher prep. Make sure you know your color wheel and only apply to schools with school colors that look good on you. Aaron, the problem is, is like, I, my, my, this doesn't go with any color. Jarvis, wheel. you look good in everything. Zero. Come on. Black and silver. Right. Black and silver. That's it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I know. Black and silver. We're going to. We'll look back on season three, episode three, and realize that was the moment it went south, right? There. <laughs> yeah, that was the rabbit hole we could never get out yeah. of. Hey, you're welcome. You're yeah. welcome. Yeah, you're, so good. you're so good at that, though, Aaron. And uh, we're going to get into some perspectives now with, with Mike and Rich and Becky and uh, just kind of gain some wisdom from them, and everyone out there is going to gain it as well. So um, we're just going to go through some questions here again and uh, – probably have a follow-up question or two. Uh, so uh, should be should be really good. So first question we're gonna ask, at the end of the day, with all the ups and downs of the job, what's your favorite part of being an AD? Rich, we'll start with you on this one. Well, for me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in education-based athletics, I, I, I would, say for the same reason most all of us uh, got into it, and that's because uh, of the influence of, of a coach uh, who, who my basketball coach was also my school AD. And so the opportunity to be a part of the give back to student athletes, um, that's to me that's uh, the ultimate is to, to hopefully uh, do, do for others what's been done for me. And in our position as athletic administrators, we can do that give back in a variety of ways with one-on-one, -on -one, uh, with, with athletes or groups of athletes, uh, coaching the coaches, which to me is uh, the, one of the most important things we do. And uh, there's also some other great opportunities with, with the state level uh, influence, national level, uh, course development, uh, providing, receiving, and providing professional development, but all of that with the ultimate purpose to, to benefit student-athletes and to, to give back. I'm always interested in stories, so I'll do the follow-up here with Rich. I'm interested in stories, and you mentioned your high school coach. Do you remember the moment? Do you remember when you felt his influence the most that made you think, this is what I want to be a part of. This is what I want to do. Well, uh, my, my father passed away when I was nine. And so my high school coach, uh, and I know their father figures to most players in, in some sense, but he was, he was my father mm. uh, through, through those teenage years. And uh, he, he, he was the AD and the basketball coach, but he also was the city recreation director. And so at the age of 15, I, I worked my summers with him 
too. So I, I spent more time with him than I did the rest of my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, his, his influence and his personal care for me uh, beyond the, beyond the bench, which I love, I love the name of your podcast. Uh, I, I, I wanted to emulate him in all aspects of life. And he was a service minded individual uh, who I was, I was blessed to, to have him uh, after I, I played my freshman year of college, went on a two year church mission and was fortunate when I got home, he had moved over to the college, uh, my college, uh, mid-major D1 uh, Southern Utah University in my hometown. He was assistant coach when I got home. Mm. So I, I was able to have his influence uh, when I got, got back at a collegiate level. And uh, he, he later uh, was the women's coach at that university. And, uh, and about 12 years, 12 years ago, prematurely uh, passed away of, of cancer. Mm. But, uh you know, I, I wanted to to uh, have the same far-reaching influence that he did, and I I can't really point to a specific period of time. It was just day to day being around him. I I thought yeah. if I could even do a, a portion of what he's done for me and others, I would love to have that opportunity. That's awesome. Yeah, as, as you're saying that, you know, you just I don't think we should ever anyone discredit the moment by moment, day by day leadership influence that we have. It doesn't have to be wow moments all the time, you know, but it's just that moment by moment, day by day, the way we live our lives, the way we go about our business uh, that influences kids and the people we work with. Thanks, Rich. That's awesome. Becky, how about you? Um, I would say uh, the best part about being an AD is watching our kids compete, um, being able to be a part of putting out programs where our kids can go in, where nothing else, nothing else matters. They go in, they love what they're doing. There's joy in their hearts to do that. Um, so much now our kids have so much else going on outside of school, um, that social emotional piece. Um, but when they're there, they can be present in that moment. And that to be a part of creating those opportunities for kids that are going to last them a lifetime um, with the teamwork, the friendships, the pride for their school and their community. Um, I think that really is just, you know, being able to be a part of that for our kids is tremendous. Yeah. Did you, can you remind people what's Illinois status right now on their competition? Um, competition, what practice? Our sports have been on hold since I don't want to look at the calendar. November, I don't know, 15, we'll say that is right around there. Um, winter sports started on a Monday. Our governor came out on a Thursday that week and told us we were shutting down as of Friday. So as of that Friday of the week, we've been shut down um, and we are eight weeks into what should have been a winter season and we are no closer to starting. Um, than we were then. So right now we're just in a, in on pause is the term we're using. So um, that's been really tough. We did have some sports this fall, but none of our um, contact sports, mostly individual um, sports, tennis, cross country, golf participated this fall. But so football, boys, soccer, girls, volleyball, all got moved to a um, second spring season for us. Um, and right now everything in the winter is on hold and we're hoping to hear, but he's kind of doubled down on that as of last week and, um, we're not certain. So right now we're just on pause. So that will mean twice as much <laughs> when they get back. 
or they're potentially canceling it. So, you know, we just don't know right now. They've got some really tough decisions. Our state board, um, high school association board will meet next Wednesday um, and they've got some tough decisions to make. Um, putting those teams on top, sports on top of other seasons is going to make it tough, especially for our smaller schools that require those athletes to play multiple sports. And if we do that, do they allow them? How do you schedule? What do you do? So there's just a lot a lot on the table for them right now to discuss and make decisions about um, what to do going forward. Yeah, for sure. Oh, Mike, what about you, uh, Christ Presbyterian? What What's your favorite part about being an AD? Well, for me, it, it's like, like Rich, it goes back to my childhood um, growing up a Hoosier in Indiana and really learning to love high school athletics because of hearing my grandparents, even my great-grandparents and my parents um, talk about Milan High School from 1954 that influenced the movie Hoosiers. Um, growing up in a town of 20,000 where the gymnasium seats 10,000 and dreaming as a child of putting on a Newcastle Trojan uniform and getting the green and white Converse tennis shoes that they gave to all the players. And so for me, grades seven through 12, I was cut every year uh, and never made the team. So fast forward to my time here at CPA from 1987 to now, I can't believe I get to be an AD. And there was one moment when we were building our stadium. I think we moved in in September 30th of 99 and in August of 99, I stopped where our current softball field is and had an aha moment. And that aha moment was, I can't believe I get to be the athletic director at this school. So flipping that script, you know, to see the student athletes and the coaches connect, to see students arrive at where they're at, but the coaches is not letting them stay there. The coach is pulling things out of the student athlete that they never imagined they could accomplish and helping them to see beyond um, whether they're 16, 17, 18 years old, helping the, the student athletes see into the future um, brings me a lot of great joy. Um, and then connecting with our coaches because I don't get to coach anymore. So our coaches now are the players for me um, that I no longer get to have in the trenches of a team bus or team meal or, you know, prepping for the next opponent. So um, I don't know, you know, from that perspective, that's, that's my journey. And that foundation of love and high school athletics really gives me great perspective every day. And I'm glad that you asked this question because I think it's a question that all of us need to reflect upon probably every two or three months. Yeah. What is that aha moment? Why do we get into this? And what's our favorite part about it? because that should drive us every day. And so thank you for that question. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, so on the flip side of that, and, and one of our goals in this, in this series, uh, it'll be interesting as we get into our other, uh, you know, our, our other uh, stakeholders in this, but it is certainly authentic answers uh, it, because we want to, we want to have our listeners out there have the opportunity to listen and learn from others. Uh, so on the flip side of what's the most exciting or joyful part of being an AD what can be the most frustrating part of being an AD? And maybe I'll add on to that um, if you have any thoughts on how do you manage that or, or deal with that uh, over time as well. So this one, Mike, we're going to start with you. I'd say instead of the word frustrating, I would say, you know, there are disappointing moments. There are, you know, 
watching a, you know, a coach, you know, attack an official or speak harshly to an official or watch a parent, you know, start screaming at the, the top of their voice. You kind of feel helpless as an AD and you don't want to embarrass either scenario, but um, you feel like it's out of your control. You can't, you can't control that. Um, so trying to figure out, okay, how do I reel that back in? How do I pull that back in? Um, you know, those are disappointing moments. And then from a frustration perspective, being, I was a coach in AD for about half of my career so far, not getting to be in the trenches with our, our kids, our students, like I was, you know, early on, um, that's, that is frustrating because I don't feel like I know them as well as I used to know them. And at the end of the day, when we're all graduating from college, trying to get a job, whether it be at a public school, private school, it doesn't matter. You just want to be around kids. It's a, it's a calling. And so that is a, that's a huge challenge uh, for me here in the year 2021. I love being around kids. And so I try to get our coaches to help pull those frustration moments away by, you know, being on the sideline or being in the softball dugout or going into the locker room. How can I invest? How can I engage? Because I don't want to have a spirit of negativity. I want to use the power of positivity to influence not only the coaches and student athletes, but the parents are a part of this education-based athletics mm-hmm. um, curriculum that we're all trying to build um, in each of our communities. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. Um, I was thinking about sharing a story from yesterday. You talked about the officials thing, but I might save that for for another day. It was one of those interesting <laughs> moments when when I wondered if I wasn't stepping out in front of my entire crowd, saying, um, "In about two minutes, we're clearing the gym." Yeah. Uh, but luckily, they simmered a bit. So I got to get on that. Uh, how about you, Rich? What can be one of the more frustrating and disappointing parts about being an AD? Yeah, maybe uh, might have a couple of them. Uh, you know, one is is I wish uh, more students could be a part of the transformational influence mm-hmm. of ed-based athletics. Um, I look at, at our student body, and as a full-time assistant principal, I deal with you know a lot of kids from dysfunctional homes, a lot of them who, who really need to be a part of it. But eligibility, which I just finished doing last week, too many of them don't qualify. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have that influence. Uh, one thing that was fortunate, our state association changed uh, last year was all incoming ninth graders were eligible uh, to start fall season. And and that's a plus because it gives them a chance to get in and they're not held hostage by their, their grades in middle school. And and that's a positive, but but too often some some kids don't have that opportunity that I had and, and so many others had to to be better students because of education-based athletics. And I guess another one that frustrates me a little bit is I've been an AD long enough. Uh, we used to have a lot more people going to college to be educators slash coaches, and that has drastically changed. And, and that's put a lot on my plate and other people's plate as athletic administrators trying to bring paraprofessional head coaches up to speed with what an education-based coach is. Yeah, I, you know, and that's something, and we've all had the opportunity to sit around and, and have conversations with ADs nationally, and that's something you hear everywhere. Um, I'm going to throw a follow-up out to everybody. Um, 
so when you think about that, uh, that, that frustration of having a smaller pool, uh, of potential teacher coaches to look at uh, and bring in and influence kids the way we, we know that sports can do that. What, what do you think of in terms of solutions? What can we be doing as ADs to take that problem on? I, I think we have to be more intentional. I know every time I have a, a coaching change, I bring that new, new coach in. And, and unfortunately now, most of the time it's a paraprofessional, but we sat down, you know, for, for a couple of hours and, and in follow-up meetings, just driving home, this is the purpose. Um, you know, it's not all the outcome on the scoreboard because because too often we see cases where winning on the scoreboard is actually losing from the standpoint of influence and impact and the right approach. And so, uh, you know, I, I try to be intentional and spend spend the time, find out where their head is to begin with, but, uh, but also, uh, you know, hence uh, 706 coaching coaches, to be education-based leaders, uh, that was my inspiration uh, of, of beginning that course is because I could go to bits and pieces from different courses, but I needed some go-to material mm-hmm. for my training of my, my coaches. And, and what a great class you guys created with that 706. Yeah. Uh, Good. Fantastic course for you ADs out there that haven't taken that course yet. Um, man, need to do that. Any other Aaron, thoughts on that? Go ahead. Yeah, I'll say this. I've had here in, in and around the Nashville, Tennessee area, I've had several business leaders who are maybe a parent at our school look at me and they'll say, um, Coach Elson or Mike, I'm envious of what you do, um, but I can't but I can't do it. I can't feed my family on the salary that you make. There's even a, a big bank downtown Nashville, Pinnacle Bank, the vice president. Um, he said that what I do, and he's almost 70 years old. He said what I do, he wishes he would have done for his career. Hmm. So, you know, the takeaway for all of us, how do we go to the, the governmental agencies that control salaries and make it more attractive for the young professional because they're seeing, you know, coaches and, and or teachers and coaches have to work extra jobs. Well, how is that appealing when you're 22 years old uh, coming out of college? So I think, I know it sounds like a simple answer, but the pay scale is a pretty important part of that. And based off of that experience, people are envious of what we get to do because of the relationship we have with the student athletes, but they don't want to forfeit the funds that they need in order to feed their families mm-hmm. and house them properly. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't really understand what we do though. I um, would agree. <laughs> I think like my wife always comes home and, and she'll say, Oh yeah, I talked to somebody and they go, gosh, man, I wish I could do what your husband does. That must be a pretty easy job. Mm-hmm. You know, I just well, don't he- think they understand what we do on a daily basis and it's it's problem solving all the time now i love what i do i love the work that we do with our student athletes i love the the work we do with our coaches you know but i always tell everybody my ideal ad job is to be the ad of an orphanage so (laughs) yeah that that can be helpful sometimes 
Um, I think Scott just answered this question that you yeah. posed us. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, last one on that, and then we'll get to Becky's thoughts on, on uh, what, you know, can be a, a more frustrating part of that. But one of the things I've tried to do the last few years and, and, uh, you know, get, stole this from our good friend, Rod Olson, you know, he constantly talks about speaking greatness into others. And mm -hmm. I think one of the things we can do as ADs and encourage our coaches to do is you, you all have those kids come through your programs that just have that, that it factor. They get sports and they get the influence of sports and they can, and they understand that they're leaders and take that leadership role on. And boy, if we could try to start talking with them as they become juniors and seniors and maybe just start planting seeds and speaking the idea of being a teacher coach because it's something they'd be really good at down the road uh, mm -hmm. into them and planting the seed for them. So just another way for us to, and, I, and I've, I've got a couple, I'd love to sit here and say I've influenced four or five kids to go that way. I don't think I have, but I'm trying to find moments with the right kids to say, you'd be really, really good at this down the road. And I think you should think about it. So, all right. So Becky, how about you? Uh, something that can be frustrating and disappointing as an AD. Um, I, I, the first thing I thought of when I wrote this, when I looked over the questions before we started today was the pace of change, right? So just to be very real, like, you know, we have large departments, um, we have high expectations for the work that we're doing, um, but getting everybody on board and getting everyone moving in the right direction um, takes time, right? Mm -hmm. And when you have, you know, I'm in my second year of the school I'm at right now, and we have a lot of work ahead of us. And so, you know, we, we know where we want to go. But when I'm talking to, to my group of coaches that I'm working with on some things we're trying to do in our program, I said, you guys, you have to realize that these things are, you know, 10 to 15 years out, right? This isn't going to happen tomorrow. We will mm -hmm. see the fruits of our labor now, but, you know, we'll see some of that, but the real change isn't going to be for years and it, it's just going to take time. And so I think the pace of change, I think is certainly a frustration, right? We all want to be great. We all want great programs. We all want to win and we all want to do those things because that's what people are looking for in athletic programs. Um, but that takes time to build. Um, we don't, you don't just get there overnight. And that leads me into my other, I have to, um, is just people who don't get it right. That they think we should just be winning games. There's why aren't we doing what we're doing? Um, and that that's all we do is we're supposed to win games. And there's so much more just, I mean, even just listen to what's already been said today in what the value of educational based athletics is isn't the scoreboard, right? Yeah. This isn't about what we're doing. And I think that, but unfortunately, that's the message that everybody gets. That's the media piece. That's the side that everybody sees. And people who didn't come through an, edu an educationally based program that was focused on other things besides winning don't truly understand what that looks like. So I think those would be my two bigger frustrations um, as an AD. Thanks for sharing that, all three of you. Um, good stuff and, and agree. Have, I think all of us have felt all those things and then some. So great problem solving and thinking through those. So I, I got the next question here. From your perspective as an AD, what is one thing you wish was better or done more often to improve educational athletics? And Becky, we'll start with you. Um, I think first and foremost um, is to have required coaches education for high school coaches. Um, I think that for me would have such a tremendous impact on the quality of coaches that we have in our programs, um, the expectations that we can have of them right out of the gate and sends a message that it's not something anyone can do, right? You've got your dads, your moms in the stands who believe anybody can be a coach and you just picked Bill off the corner to come in and do this. And I think creating a system where there is this requirement for coaches education um, and there's a, there's a value behind what we're doing. It sends a message. You know, if you've taken the professional development class, the, the starting um, 
activity is that can, that hairdresser, right? Can you want to come up and cut somebody's hair? Well, no, because you have, you're required to be certified to do that work, right? Yeah. Why aren't we certified and required to be certified to do this work beyond being a teacher? Because I believe there certainly is that crossover, but there's certainly value in teaching how to be a great coach. Yeah. So as Agreed. Rich certainly can attest to in that class. So taking yeah. a lot out of that class to um, bring back to my staff and, and work with them to grow them. We, we do stuff. Yeah. Obviously, we all do those things at a school level, but to have yeah. that state or national requirement for that would be tremendous. And yeah, and, and Becky, you speak to something really good there is just the fact that, you know, everybody thinks it's just about the X's and O's and the best coaches are the ones that have figured out how to motivate kids, how to create that great culture and can capture kids' hearts. And I think that's more important than anything they do with the X's and O's and the schemes uh, is developing that positive relationship and developing that positive culture. And I, I think that our education needs to really focus on probably those two more than the X's and O's because the X's and O's can come pretty easily to somebody who has some experience within and a And even sport. if you don't, there's YouTube. Right. You can YouTube that, right? There's a drill for that on YouTube, I promise. There's a, bu- there's a book somewhere. <laughs> Co- you know, yeah. coach, Coaching for Dummies, there's a book out there <laughs> that, that will hit that stuff. Absolutely. I, thanks, Becky. Mike, how about you? I'll give you this. We had a theme for athletic department a couple of years ago, simply stating everything matters. Mm-hmm. And so I say that in reference to this, I use the word wish is the key word here. I wish that the media promoted all sports with more balance. There are one or two sports that get all of the accolades, all of the promotion. And I know depending on what state you're in, there may be more specific sport focus than others. (laughs) But how about the cross country team or the golf team or the swim team or the volleyball team you know, we hear hear a lot in the South, a lot about football and some about basketball, but everything else pales in comparison. I do think our job as an AD is to encourage our coaches to be their, their own sports writers. Yeah. And you can do that through social media, which, you know, Becky mentioned the scoreboard earlier. We try to have a battle cry around here at our school that our team's success is not defined or identified by the scoreboard but by the stories, the journeys that we're experiencing throughout, you know, each season. And so, you know, I wish that we had more balance, but I think we can counter that uh, by encouraging our coaches to really get after it with Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the different options that are available for you to share your stories. Um, And we're going to have to really continue to look hard at that. Then if you, have coaches. Well, I'm not very good at it or whatever. Well, you know, Becky mentioned the word change earlier. You got to adapt and adjust with the times. And if that yeah. tool is there for you, please use it. Yeah. I, yeah. We talk about that all the time about how important it is to tell our story and don't let other people tell our story for us, but we really need to tell that story for ourselves because if we let others tell it, then they're maybe not always telling the right story which it is, is all about the wins and the losses. Um, unfortunately, instead of being about that journey for our kids and, and the lessons that they learned through the, you know, athletics. So, and, here, and here's the thing too, guys, we're middle managers. And by that, I mean, 
we have to manage up and we have to manage down. We have to manage. So we're managing vertically and horizontally. Yeah. So we have to, if we don't want the messaging to be all about winning, then we have to go to our board of education down and say, Hey, we need your help promoting this common language that the scoreboard doesn't truly define what success looks like, but an enthusiastic, hardworking, fun experience is what the students will take with them throughout their lives. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks, Mike. Rich, Just what are your one, thoughts? Yeah, one thing I'd like to see that be different is I wish that uh, more school, district, state leaders understood the value of education-based athletics. I know when I started as an AD, seemed like more of our principals, uh, district people, uh, even state legislative people uh, had athletic background, coaching background. And today I see that a lot different, you know, yeah. I around at some of our, our principals around the state and things. And, and now uh, quite often it's people who don't have uh, an athletic background or coaching yeah. background. And uh, it, it brings some challenges. Uh, you know, I wish people understood the value of a certified athletic administrator at their school. Um, in our state where there's been problems with, with schools and athletes and, and athletic programs, um, it's, it's, well, we don't have very many, but it seems like it's a school with an athletic director. Maybe it's a new one. They haven't been involved in the state association and, and having a, a certified trained athletic administrator is the best insurance policy a school can have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so that's one, one of the things I've, I've seen. I know uh, years ago I got involved because our state school board association was trying to take over the state athletic association, take control of, and they had ideas. Uh, and some of it was a little bit revenge because a school that had all these denied transfers had, uh, ties to the state school board. And so it was kind of a, a revenge thing, but uh, they were coming up with some things where uh, a team in the playoffs could be eliminated and an athlete could even transfer to another school the next week that's still alive in the state. And, and it was, uh, it, you know, some of it was just crazy and ludicrous. And you can imagine what those meetings were like uh, packed to the hilt with, you uh, ADs, coaches, and people. And I remember a comment by one of the state school board people who had no athletics to his name. He said, I am so sick and tired of hearing from coaches, athletic directors, and principals on this topic. We've heard more than anything else we've ever dealt with. I'd just like to do away with high school athletics. And, you know, and that was scary to hear that. Um, fortunately, we had you know, pretty good outcomes because of all of the people who rallied, but, but it was scary. And, 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 you know, some of those decision makers scare me for the future. Yeah. I, I think if there was one thing I could change about high school athletics, and it, it touches on, you know, something that you all basically talked about, but it's just that, you know, the idea that athletics doesn't need to be about being a starter. It doesn't need to be about, getting a college scholarship. It doesn't need to be about, you know, because all that stuff is all just not the important things that we feel that athletics teaches our kids because there's going to be times in their life that they don't get what they want. And we continually have 
families and student athletes and parents, you know, because of they didn't get to start or they didn't get to be all conference that continue to, you know, it comes a litigation for our high schools. And then we are managing not only our athletics teams and trying to grow kids as, as individuals, but, you know, I feel like we're having to become attorneys on top of that, which is really sad. And it's not why any of us got into doing what we do. So I think we just need to really get to a point where our athletics becomes about what it needs to be about is just our kids having fun and it's not a status, you know, social status. It's really about teaching our kids life lessons through athletics. And sometimes that, sometimes that is disappointment. Yes, sir. All right. We're going to turn the, turn the tables here a little bit. And uh, Rich, you're going to start on this one. I like it when coaches do this. I love it when they show care and love and concern beyond the X's and O's, you know, and we, we can kind of see through and kids and parents can, can see through that coach who is coaching to put a feather in their hat and everything's well and whole as long as things are good for them. Mm-hmm. But the kind of coach I want on my staff is one who, uh, is right there with the kid and the kid knows it, the parent knows it through the toughest of the tough, yeah. you know, uh, through the, through the adversity. And, and, uh, you know, and I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but tell my coaches coaching the wrong way. You can lose even when you win on the scoreboard, yeah. but, uh, winning the right way is with, with influence, lifelong impact. And not only you as the coach knowing your why, but, the participants and the parents and everybody else knows your why. Uh-huh. Very good. Awesome. That's right. That's right. So Becky, what do you love it when coaches do? Um, I love it when our coaches create a learning environment where our kids um, feel safe and know they're expected to fail. Right. So that means they're trying new things. They're learning new things. They're going to get it wrong. And that the coach is supportive through that process and not um, criticizing them. And then they're afraid to do those things. So really that I love it when I can just see our kids going in, trying new things, working hard and our coaches supporting them through it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love the fact that we encourage them to see what failure is. It's learning. It's falling forward. You know, it's all that. And I just, Mm -hmm. Coaches that can do that and pull kids through that are, boy, they're diamonds. They're diamonds. For sure. Mike, I love it when coaches do this. I love it when coaches share their stories. And Becky and I just did this with the NIAAA mentor cohort where we break it into four quadrants. We go early childhood, recent event, public self, and private self. When we're in person, we use cardboard boxes and cut them into shields on guys' teams and hearts for girls. You can use whatever formula you want to use or format. And then it's been great to use via Zoom because we were able to cut and paste and put into a PowerPoint. But that we have a thing here at CPA on Mondays during football season called Manhood Mondays, where before they hit the practice field, each coach on the staff throughout the entire season takes 20 minutes or 30 minutes and they share their story. 
it really connects the players to the coaches and lets the boys see that those guys are, are real men. They're just not out there being fabricated, ego-driven coaches. And I'll take it one step further. I had a mom um, call me in and, and meet with me or come over and meet with me at school last fall. And she's like, Coach Elson, my son is a third-string linebacker, but he can't wait to get to practice. And he tells me all about game film because he knows his coaches love him. And that is the greatest thing you could ever imagine as an AD to have said about your coaches. And it makes me really thankful for the culture um, we're trying to cultivate here at our school. It's awesome. Great story too. That's yeah. That's goosebumps. That's great. Yep. Yep. Uh, man, you love those phone calls, don't you? Yeah. Uh, to hear those positive stories of your coaches interacting. Um, and, and here's the thing. And I think you guys are all, we get more way of way more of that than I think we let on sometimes. I, I, I I'm guilty. Uh, I think a lot of times of only replaying the negative phone calls I get. And I get a lot of positive comments about our coaches and their interactions with kids. And we need to just play that story a whole lot more, I think. Yeah. All right. Next question. Um, speaking of parents, you love it. Or from your side, I love it when parents interact in this way or fill these roles in our programs. What do you love it when your parents do this, Mike? Well, it's, they're, they're the backbone of our education-based athletic program or athletic team. Um, our parents work gates and concessions and, you know, the scorebook and they, they film. And, and here at our school, we have an annual work day every August and they're down there weed eating and running a pressure washer and, you know, cleaning toilets and all those things. And we get our coaches to do it with them. And it really um, creates a connectivity inside of our school community. And we're not a utopia. But when things um, could turn in a negative way as we get into games being played in the season and, you know, maybe we're three and seven and everybody's getting a little frustrated, we're able to reflect back on those volunteer moments um, that, that help connect us. And, and we tell, we encourage our parents, we're like, you are our teammates. You're not the enemy. You're not separate from us. We're together raising your child in an education-based athletic program, we're not trying to showcase your child to go get scholarships. We're trying to represent our school community and you're a big part of that. So that's what we found to be a, a great um, perspective here at, at Christ Presbyterian Academy. Love it. Um, I love that push. Thank you for sharing that, Mike. Rich, how about you? You love it when parents do this. I love it when uh, parents consistently cheer for other participants. You know, there, there, there's those parent, parents that will cheer for other participants when things are going good for their kid. But the ones who consistently do it for all the others, uh, these are the parents with a total team supportive approach. And they all have something in common. They're, they're unselfish. They're not single-minded. And they have a perspective that carries over to supporting the coaches and being appropriate with officials and uh, you, you don't worry about them with, with professional behavior. Good stuff. I like that as well. Um, one of the big things I know I always watch for. Um, how about you, Becky? You love it when parents. I love it when our parents release their child to be coached that they don't 
um, negate what's being done inside of our gyms on our fields um, with the conversation on the way home or the coaching in the backyard or whatever, or the coaching from the, the bleachers, right? So when they release their kids fully to be coached, um, that's when this great stuff that we're all talking about happens. When's the last time you saw that happen and, and the and the student athlete not grow exponentially? No. I, I mean, it just doesn't happen. When that when when parents do that, those kids explode in athletics and through athletics. It's crazy to watch. I agree hundred percent. Those are great responses. So I got the next question here. After it's all said and done, you're walking out the door, your last day as an AD. What will you remember the most, Rich? Well, and it's been mentioned earlier, um, we pretty much all of us get in this business because of relationships and influence of uh, the coaches that we had. And uh, that's uh, obviously, to me, the best part of it. It's relationships with with the students. It's relationships with our our coaches uh, and Fortunately for all of us too, as we have relationships with one another in a in an NIAAA and our our state association families, where we're in we're in an organization too that is unlike any other culture, and uh, we we help one another to enhance the relationships that we have in our own localities, and uh, and there, there's nothing better than relationships, and and that's. That's the one thing I'll, I'll take first and foremost. Yeah, I agree. Becky? Um, I have to echo what Rich said. I mean, that's really what will you remember the most, um, the relationships to the people. Um, and I've moved schools a couple of times. And I'll tell you just a quick story um, about my recent move. I was the AD at a school for three years. I nominated one of our student athletes to be on our um, high school association student advisory committee. Mm-hmm. And she was serving on that. Well, I serve on the adult version of that. So I'm one of our administrators on that. And um, we have a student-led student leadership program that we put on every other year. And so she was there um, helping with that, my former student. And she didn't know I was coming. And so I showed up in the room um, to start working the night before the the event to prepare everything we needed to do. And she was just, you know, doing her thing, being a student, working and saw me and just jumped up and ran over and and jumped on me and gave me a huge hug. And, you know, that's it. Right. Those types of um, relationships, the impact that we know we have with our students, um, that's truly what I'm going to miss the most is being able to, to be a part of that every day. But thankfully, I've got a few more years. (laughs) Mike how about you oh echoing Rich and Becky in the relationship piece definitely the number one word takeaway when I reflect back Um, but I'll you know I'll also share I'll remember watching dreams become a reality Mm -hmm. we had a when I came here in 87 we had a sanctuary that also worked as a gym Mm -hmm no fields, no locker rooms, no showers, no equipment. And to watch all of that unfold Mm -hmm. blows me away. And so as I reflect back, I'm so grateful that I got to experience the growth of all of that and to watch our students, our coaches, our parents, our stakeholders gain pride in what we do here when we used to be everybody's homecoming and now we're, we're pretty competitive. And, um, I love looking back on that, but it was all built out of the foundation of relationship 
relationships and those pillars, um, they go deep. Thank you for sharing that. Along those same lines, um, when that that last day of being an AD comes and that journey is over, what do you want your legacy at your school and or schools to be? What do you want to be said about you as you walk out the door? Becky, you'll go first. Um, First and foremost, that I worked tirelessly for all of our kids and all of our programs, right? That I showed up for everyone, not just, I don't want to be that AD that, oh yeah, we saw her at football, right? That you saw me at a freshman B boys basketball game on a Saturday morning when I probably didn't want to be up, but I was there supporting (laughs) our kids, watching them do what they do. (laughs) You guys are laughing. You've been there, right? Um, But that, that I was there for all of our kids. And, you know, when I talk to our kids about it and they say, you know, I've had coaches tell me all the time, we've never seen a coach at the bowling alley. We've never seen a coach come out to the golf course or whatever it might be, um, or an AD come out and and support us here, um, is that if it's important to you, it's important to me. And so that's a message that I tell my kids all the time. Um, if, even if I'm the only one there, you're, you're my kid, you're, you're part of our program. And I want all of our kids to feel that way. Um, and that I have belief in them and that they can continue to grow every day. Um, and that we set high expectations and we're going to support them to get there. So I think those are the things that I hope that people, um, say about me when I'm gone from my school is that I cared about everyone who came through these doors. Awesome. Great stuff. Uh, how about you, Mike? Yeah, again, echoing Becky's comments about, you know, making sure that I'm setting an example. I think being an example is so important. We can't ask others to serve. If we're not willing to, to do it ourselves. And, you know, I want people to say that, that he cared. Um, I want people to say that he, he left it better, you know, better than he found it. Um, and that it, he was authentic. Um, and, and I'll say this too. I want people to say that I finished strong. So for me, I'm 57 years old and, you know, I'm looking ahead. I hope I'm strong for 15 more years. I don't want to, I don't want to fade off into the sunset and, you know, look back. I want to keep looking forward. I want to move ahead. And I want people to say he finished well, he finished strong. I can imagine, Mike, you wanted to hear that. And, and Rick, may, I hope I'm not stealing your thunder on this, but I could just see you wanting people to say, well done, good and faithful service, Mike. I, in our conversations, I think that would be what you'd love to hear uh, mm-hmm. as you're walking out the door. How about you, Rich? Well, Mike shouldn't walk out the door any too early. He says he's 57. I think he's 37. He I looks know. it, doesn't he? I know. I was uh, just going to say, geez, he looks younger than me. He's got at least another 20 years. <laughs> uh, but uh, I... Uh, I, I hope it's said of me that I did my best to prepare the student for the path ahead um, in my approach as an athletic administrator and a full-time assistant principal. I, I try to live by uh, the a quote that my father-in-law, who was a longtime school counselor at our school, I was fortunate to work my first few years in the same building, but he was a he was a college basketball player at Colorado State. All three three sons. One was a starting offensive lineman at Memphis State, and the other two were college basketball players. One one a teammate of mine. But he was asked what his approach as a sports parent and as a successful parent of five kids was, and his quote was, uh, "He and his wife try to prepare the child for the path rather than the path for the child." Mm-hmm. And uh, above wins and losses, we're in the business of preparing student athletes for the path. 
and we have to build culture and prepare coaches to prepare them the right way. Uh, there's no shortcuts. We can do a thousand things right. Our coaches can do a thousand things right. But uh, a split second uh, bonehead decision or a loss of proper perspective can destroy all that in, in, in seconds. And so mm -hmm. I, I hope I hope I can say I've, I've done my best to prepare uh, student participants for the life path ahead. Wow, great stuff, all three of you on that. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'm gonna wrap up here with a, a question. It's not on the script. Ah. Uh-oh, he's, so, he's, he's gonna stackerize this thing. We kinda, well, we've, we've got our last question in there and we'll, we'll let you do that. You, but I think we all kinda know what your why is, but yeah, we'll let you I think we've, that. Yeah. But I'm gonna throw at you the question we ask every one of our guests, every one of our leaders that comes ah. on our, our show. And it is, Mike and Becky, you get, I'm going to Rich first on this, okay? So you get to hear it. But I, I do want to know from each of you, if you could go back and talk to a young Rich Barton, just getting in to the business, what would you tell him? What might you do a little bit differently? Well, one, and I think it's, it's the best uh, trait that a person can, can have in, in this field and any field, and that is be a good listener. Um, and and that, that entails listening to understand, mm -hmm. not, not listening to respond. And we, we have coaches with a lot on their plate. We have student, student athletes, especially in the world we live in right now, with so many things going through their minds. And everybody has need for somebody who is a good listener. Mm -hmm. and, and being a good listener allows us to also uh, understand beyond the layers and to provide the right, right uh, support. And, uh, and I, I think back as a young, young AD, I needed to take the time to listen better so that I could provide better support and keep, uh, keep coaches off of maybe a, a feeling of being on an Island uh, at times. And so that's, that's what I tell young Rich Barton to, to be a better listener. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you. Yep. And, and yep. now we'll, we'll follow up with that rich. Uh, tell us what your why is when your feet hit the floor in the morning, you're going to work. What's your why? My why, and, and I'll go back to, uh, my presidential theme uh, years ago as NIAAA president, lift and assist. We serve in the ultimate uh, lift and assist organization, the NIAAA. And for me, uh, on a personal level, uh, service makes me happy. Service is my why, not, not just in, in the career field, but in, in my personal life. Uh, service is stress relief. I have a bad day at work. Uh, I know I need to, to reach out more uh, to get outside myself and, and serve because that takes my mind off whatever is frustrating and, and disappointing. But I, but I believe you can't lift someone else without lifting yourself in the process. And I feel blessed to be in this pr profession that allows us to lift and assist uh, every day. 
uh, you know, and we, we don't know what vacation is because we, we take vacations. We're still, we're still working with our people. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're lifting and assisting, uh, you know, every day of the year. And, uh, and that's fulfillment. Yeah. When you are fulfilling a calling, there's really no vacation. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Becky. If you were to give advice to a younger Becky Moran, what would you tell her? Um, I would tell her to delegate and learn how to. <laughs> um, I think at one point in my career, um, you know, I thought not doing it all meant I was showing a weakness that I a couldn't or b didn't know how. And I think, um, you know, I think I'm I'm much much better about it now. I, I don't know that I've gotten it fully um, down yet. So maybe I'm still giving myself that advice today. Um, but I think delegate and letting other people help. Um, I think that really would be the advice mm-hmm. that I give myself today. <laughs> I love it. That's, uh, I think we all, because we all know what that wants to look like, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. to let other people do it, sometimes we got to, mm. mm-hmm. Let them grow and then coach them from there. Agreed. Yeah. So, Becky, when your feet hit the floor in the morning, what's your why? Um, what's my why is helping others. I, you know, similar to what Rich said, I think, you know, you guys can see that in the relationships we have with each other, um, the work that we do for our states and our, and our national association, um, is helping other people, right? So that's our people in our schools, our people, um, our colleagues, you know, whoever that might be, honestly, like I'd return a cart for a lady in the supermarket, right? Like that's just helping other people is what we do. Um, it's who we are. Um, I pick up stuff all the time that's on the floor. If I go to the store, you know, there's a shirt that fell off a hanger. I put it back on. My husband Mm -hmm. asks if I work there. Right. And that's just what we do. um, because That's what we do. Um, And so that and I think um, the other piece is just being a role model for my kids. Um, You know, they're 15 and 13 years old. And, you know, I took a job five years ago that was 73 miles one way from home. And it meant being gone a lot more. Um, on top of our jobs, you add that commute mm-hmm. in there and it just meant being gone a lot more. My son, who five years ago was 10 years old, we sat on the couch and he told me, mom, it's okay because I know that your kids need you, right? I know that your, your school mm-hmm. needs you. And, you know, I was talking to my daughter very recently. Um, she wrote me a very nice letter. Mike, you've seen it. You saw it in my hearts exercise last month. Um, just about, you know, how much our kids are watching us. And so I think that's the other piece is, is showing them, you know, what, how to, to treat other people and how to just live a life of service, like Rich said, and, and do what we do and help other people. So, the wisdom of a 10 year old. No kidding, right? That's right. <laughs> it's, it will stick with me forever, right? He's, he is an old man, though. He's an old soul. <laughs> we'll give him that. <laughs> uh, that is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Well, Mike, if you could go back to a young Mike Elson. 30 some years ago, what would you tell, tell young Mike? Number one is listen to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what my, that's what my wife tells me. <laughs> you need to listen to me. Scott, just go <laughs> walk your dog. I know. Just go walk the dog. In all seriousness, you know, we've been married since 80. <laughs> and dogs. Uh, on cue <laughs> dog day afternoon. Right. Huh. Um, so, you know, who has our best interest at hand? Our spouse, without question, 
they care about us more than anybody on this earth. Mm-hmm. And so that, that would be the first thing. The second thing, I remember I've been to every Tennessee AD conference, state AD conference since 92, except one. For the first 12 or 13 years, I sat on the back row scared to death. Like they don't want me. I was at a K through eight school and we added a grade at a time and they don't really know. And your school's not very good athletically. And it kind of, you know, I didn't have any confidence. And so I'd go back and say, don't worry about what others think about you. Get up on the front row and go for it because everybody struggles at the end of the day. So this is all about surrounding yourself with people that are going to be mentors for you and uh, build confidence in you. That's what I would tell Mike Elson at 23 years old when I, when I started at this school. Um, so thank you for that question. That's a great question. Yeah, you bet. And then finally, Mike, uh, your why. What's your why when your feet hit the floor in the morning? My why is simply, you know, just like Rich and Becky said, for me, it's serving the Lord, honoring my wife, our three children. We have a grandson, Joshua, um, honoring our family, my family's name legacy from Newcastle, Indiana, where they worked as excavators. And my mom worked in a liquor store and got robbed at gunpoint twice. And I, I think about the hardships that they went through. I want to change that narrative. I want to flip that script with my career. So, and they were so happy. They were so proud. I've lost my grandfather, my grandmother, my dad, all since last, um, last Easter in April. And I know they were really proud of my family and, and um, the great school that I get to work at. So um, that drives me every day. And now my job, again, like I said earlier, is to finish strong so that I leave a great reputation for my children and the generation after them and, and generations beyond that. So that drives me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Aaron, before you, before you wrap it up, I just, I've got it, you know, leadership wise, those of you that have listened through this and you, you've heard the last two questions in particular, but as you reflect back, um, Becky, Rich and Mike, I think the thing that we take away from this as leaders is that, None of you set out to be active in the NIAAA like you are. Um, that happens because you cared about people in your neighborhood and you cared about people in your school. And that's what leadership is. It's caring about those around you first and foremost. We have benefited through the NIAAA by your leadership um, because you cared about others that we will never know first. And uh, it's very apparent as you speak and as you talk that that is what drives you and it is what motivates you and it's what inspires you. And through that, you inspire others, including me. And I speak for Scott and Aaron. I can speak for them once in a while too, but I know they feel the same way. (laughs) Uh, But thank you for sharing your hearts tonight and uh, for making us all better. Aaron, back to you. Todd, my life is always better when you're speaking for me. So you just yes. keep doing that what you'd like. Can um, I hire can I hire you, Todd? Yeah, I'd rather have you dog, speak for me on a lot of a lot of different ways. Yeah. <laughs> I I tell you, come I have so many things rolling through my head right now. Um uh some of what Todd just said there. And man, I hope for you know, one of our primary purposes when we started Beyond the Bench, um uh 
was an avenue to try to share thoughts, share ideas, share wisdom, share experiences with younger ADs and, and create a platform to, for them to learn from our experiences through, through a podcast. And man, if you are a younger AD or maybe a little more seasoned one like myself who's been doing this for 14 years and learned more tonight than I have in quite a while um, by listening to, to three fantastic ADs with, with Mike, Rich, and Becky. Um, there's so many great things in here to just listen to over and over again and and take notes. And how do I implement that in my school? Because they're three of the best and you gave us great stuff tonight. So thanks first and foremost to all three of you uh, for giving us your time, uh, your, your most prized possession tonight to help us all be a little better. Thank you. Uh, as we as we wrap up, I guess one of the driving thought processes as we discussed this four-part series uh, on the educational athletics journey was um, gaining the perspectives of all the stakeholders, listening to others, building empathy for the other stakeholders in this beautiful thing we call educational athletics, the, the ADs, the coaches, the parents, and, and, and the student athletes, and try to broaden our horizons a bit. And from the AD side, you guys have done that tonight. And, and I hope we can find a way to get this out to our to our stakeholders and help them hear the great perspective of ADs. But for the remainder of this series now, um, listen to coaches and what can we learn from their perspective? Listen to parents and what can we learn from their perspective? And most importantly, listen to our kids. Um, and I guess there's two things I thought about and Rich, it's like you're reading my closing thoughts down there earlier. Uh, I thought of, you know, Theodore Roosevelt's quote out there, people don't know how, they don't care how much you know, until they know how much you care and you have to listen and understand to the best of your ability, your story first. Um, and then they'll care about your X's and O's. Uh, and I think that's important to do that. I hope this series provides some of that from a lot of different perspectives. And then the, the other one I thought of uh, in the past several days is habit number five of, of you know, Stephen Covey's seven habits of successful people is, is seek first to understand and then to be understood. And Rich brought this up earlier. Most people don't listen with the intent to understand they listen with the intent to reply. And boy, that's just so evident in our society right now. And I hope the next, this episode and the next three, just give us all a moment to step back and listen to others and understand what it's like to walk in their shoes so that we can make this thing better uh, because of it. So thanks for your perspectives today. Uh, Todd and Scott, as always, great to be on with you guys and share time with you guys. So thank you very much. Mike, Rich, Becky, thank you again for your time. Uh, best of luck. Uh, through the rest of this spring. Becky, I hope you get the kids back on the field and wherever they're, they're at. Uh, Rich and Mike, uh, best of luck to you as we all navigate this, continue to navigate it. So uh, you've been a blessing to us and I, I hope uh, you are blessed in the process as well. So thank you everyone for listening and everyone out there, have a great week and be blessed everyone.